We are so mindful of the friends and family are here. The young people, one of our elders wanted me to mention the young people are here. We're so mindful of you. But we're also very mindful of those who have gone before us. Those who enjoyed Friends and Family Day here. Those whom, even if you're visiting, you, they enjoyed days like this. Beautiful, sunny Sundays where they could go and worship God. Who, though even since I've been here, have passed on. They've died. We're very mindful of those friends and family on a beautiful day like today. They can't come back to us. They never will. But just suppose for just a moment, just suppose for just a moment that they could, how would they find you? How would they find you? Would they say that you've grown? My grandmother would say, you've grown larger. No, she's sweet. She wouldn't say that. She would give me a big kiss and a big hug. I know what she'd do. But what would they say? Would they say you've grown where it really matters? Would they say that you've grown closer to God? Would they, they comment on how close to God you are? Would they, would they say, keep up the good work, give you a thumbs up? Or would they be disappointed? Would they be disappointed? Maybe they look at you with a tear in their eye. Would they say, you're just as dead as I am spiritually? Some of you here, you've left your first love. You've left your first love. You're caught in a trap of your own making. The physically dead are going to stay dead until the Lord comes back. And then the dead in Christ will rise first, the Scripture says. But the spiritually dead here today, you still have a chance. You still have a chance. There's a way out of this self-made trap that you've gotten yourself into. You see, when the Lord comes back, how you're found is how you'll be. We were studying in Revelation class just this past Wednesday night. We read from Revelation 22, verse 11. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. If you're found filthy, you'll still be filthy when the Lord comes back. When you're found holy and righteous... That's how you'll be when the end comes. If today you understand that you are filthy, I can show you the way out today. I can show you the way out. I can show you the way home. I can show you the way. There's only one. There's only one way. You see, there's something called... The grace of God, W-G-G-G. You've heard of W-W, what would Jesus do? W-W-J-D-D, what would, yeah. 
I'm confused now. But mine is WGGG. What would what? Who gets God's grace? Who gets God's grace? Read with me, if you will. If you'll turn with me, uh, Ephesians chapter two. It's going to be on the screen here as well. Ephesians chapter two, beginning with verse one. Today we're going to use the example of our late Ephesian brothers and, and, and answer our question, who gets God's grace? So that we can get out of the mess we may be in. Notice the opening words. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Grace. Grace. God's unmerited favor. That's a fancy way of saying you did nothing to get it, but be in a position to get it. Let me give you all a piece of advice. Don't you hate it when you give advice and nobody takes it? Don't you hate that? You know, it could be the, the most perfect piece of advice for whatever situation that there is and, and nobody takes it. Doesn't that make you mad? I mean, it could be as simple as watch out before something hits somebody in the head, you know. A good piece of advice. Watch out. Duck. Or it could be a, a tip on stocks or, or on crops. And it's the perfect piece of advice and nobody takes it and then... <laughs> The worst thing happens. And you want to say, I told you so. I gave you the piece of advice. But they didn't take it. Let me give you a piece of advice. I hope you take it today. You're going to get a chance today to accept God's grace. I suggest that you do so. Let me say it again, because I'm going to repeat it a little bit later. You're going to get a chance today to accept God's grace, and my advice to you is that you do so. God's grace, marvelous grace, wonderful grace, infinite grace. Here's $20. I've used this illustration before here at Fountainhead, but I'm putting a little twist on it, so if you've seen it before, you, it'll be new to you. $20. $20 didn't go as far as it used to. If I laid it on the table, and I picked one of you out to get it, 
It's yours. You did nothing for it. I could even pick out somebody I don't even know. It's yours. You can, you can, you can, you, you, you can have that. It, it's yours. You did nothing for it. What would you have to do to benefit from the $20? Well, you'd have to accept it, wouldn't you? You would have to accept the $20. One of my favorite parables is in Matthew chapter 20. If you would please turn there. Matthew chapter 20, the workers in the vineyard. Man on the vineyard, he needed the crop in. He went to town early in the morning to find workers to get in the vineyard, to do his work. He found some. He agreed with those guys that I'm going to pay you a denarius. I'm going to pay you a day's wage. If you come and do this work, I'm going to pay you a denarius. They said, okay, and they started working. Still had to get the crop in, so he went back to town. He went back to town four times, four more times. Got workers all day long, all throughout the day. He had to get that crop in. He had to get that work done. And he went back and he found folks over and over again who weren't working. They weren't doing anything. He said, come on. And they went out into the field and they worked. The last, there wasn't but one more hour left in the day. One more hour left in the day, and, and the, he finds some more in the town. What, what, why are you guys not doing anything? Well, nobody's, nobody's come and got us. Well, come on, let's go. Evening comes. The day's over. Work day's over. Evening comes. He tells his paymaster, he tells his steward, he says, I want you to pay those who I hired last, I want you to pay them first and pay them a denarius. And the guys that were in the back of the line, the guys that had worked all day, they thought in their minds, well, we're going to get more. If he's giving them a denarius, we're going to get a lot more. But when they got up there, all they got was a denarius. All they got was... And they were mad. They said, well, wait a minute. These, these, these folks, they've worked in the, we've worked in the heat of the day, and these folks, they've only worked an hour. And, and the, the owner of the vineyard said, it's my money. It's my money. I, I can do with it. What I want to do with it. God's grace is infinite. It's afforded to those of us who have been working in the heat of the day for so long and it's afforded to you in maybe the last hour of your life. That's a wonderful thought. Infinite grace matchless grace, marvelous grace we sing, freely bestowed. But notice in Matthew chapter 20, the workers were at one time potential employees. They were in a position to be hired. But notice, the only ones who got paid were the ones that went into the field and worked. If you stayed in town, you didn't get the denarius. We've got to work, folks. You can be saved by the grace of God today. And I'm going to show you how. Grace is a free gift from God. Unmerited favor, as we've said. Grace is a means of belief. It is said of Apollos, and I hope it's said of myself someday. Do I have that on the screen? Let me see if I have that on the screen. No, I don't. Acts chapter 18, verse 27. 
He greatly helped those who had believed through Christ. I, I hope that's said of me someday. It, it was said of Apollos. He greatly helped those who had believed through grace. God has always favored His people. We can look at the Old Testament to find examples of God's nature. You know, way back in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, the Bible says that Noah found favor with God. In the book of Exodus, even after the, the first tablets were broken by an angry Moses, new tablets were made and the Lord told Moses that He has favor for thousands. God's nature is to favor His children. It's in God's nature. God favored the righteous of His children. The psalmist said in Psalm 5 verse 12, the good man, it says in Proverbs chapter 12 verse 2, the good man obtained favor from the Lord. But even in the Old Testament, God's grace did not exempt one from obeying God's commands. Noah, Joshua, Naaman, all did what God wanted. And they received God's favor when they did so. But we live under the New Testament. We have a better way of living. We have a better promise. The grace of God because of Jesus Christ is greater. How? Well, Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we shall be saved through Him, through Jesus Christ. The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, that by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. The Hebrew writer goes on to say that even though a son, Jesus obeyed. So if Jesus, the Son of God, obeyed, what does that say about me and you? What does that say about us that we should be doing? I mean, if Jesus obeyed, are, are we exempt? As we read in Ephesians, where, where's God's workmanship? Look at, at, at verse 10 of, of what we read in chapter 2 of Ephesians. For we are His workmanship, those in Christ. And what did He ordain men to do in His grace here? Good works. So, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works that we have done. But this kind of makes it sound like God's favor is unconditional. And that's what some teach. Some teach that God's favor, God's grace is unconditional. But is salvation... God's grace, His unmerited favor, is it conditional or unconditional? Matthew chapter 7, if you would please turn there. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It tells us where salvation is. I don't know much about soccer. I don't know much about soccer, but my two little, littlest ones are playing this year. So when I get out and try to practice with them, because I don't know a whole lot about soccer, I try to teach them just exactly what I know. And that's to take the ball and put it in the goal. Because that's the only way that you're, you're going to be able to, to get a point. 
right? I mean, that's pretty simple. Put the ball in the goal, you get a point, right? So I try to at least teach them that. Because when they're little, you know, they get out and they'll start kicking it toward the other goal. And you got to turn around, turn around. It's kind of funny to watch. And I make a game out of it. Try to make a game out of it. I, I, I try to say, okay, because I want them to kick it hard into the goal, you know. And I say, okay, this is where, I, I point to the goal, I say, this is where the ball lives right here. And the ball wants to go home, so take it to the house. Come on, kick that ball and take it to the house. And they are, oh, they love that game. Simple game. Let me show you, show you where salvation lives. Let's take it to the house. Okay, let's take it to the house. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Salvation, let's take it to the house. Salvation is in obedience. Obedience to God's plan. It's God's plan of salvation. And obedience to God's plan is a downright must to be saved. You can't, you can't, you can't do it any other way than God's way. You cannot be saved by, by works of yourself. You cannot be saved by, by the teachings of men. You must be saved God's way or no way. Jesus said it over and over again. Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 and 17. He told the one who asked, How do I get eternal life? He said, If you want life, keep the commandments. In John chapters 14 and 15, over and over, He says, If you love Me, you'll do what I say. You'll keep My commandments. And if you do this, I'll love you. My Father will love you. And we will make our home with you. We'll take you to the house. Hebrews chapter, chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, Jesus Christ, it says, the Hebrew writer says, He wrote the book on salvation. The Hebrew writer says that He is the author of salvation to everybody, no matter how they act. No. No. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 says that He is the author of salvation to all who obey. Obey what? Paul says that in flaming fire, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 8, God will take vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what's the gospel? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which was preached and received by those who are saved. Now, look back. At our Ephesian example, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Was the gospel preached to those who were saved by grace? Yes. The gospel was preached. It was the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. Notice this verse right here. Did the Ephesians believe that they were saved by grace? Yes. Many believed. And when they believed, having believed, you were sealed, it says. Where do we find in Acts? 
Where do we find in Acts where Paul preached the gospel to the Ephesians? Well, we find it in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19, did those who believe at Ephesus, did they repent? Well, it says in verses 18 and 19, it says they changed from their former life. They even burned their witchcraft books. Did they, by being saved by grace, did they understand that they, that they needed to be baptized? Most certainly they did. It says in Acts chapter 19, in the very first of the chapter, about 12 men whom Paul met when he first got to Ephesus, and in Acts chapter 19, verses 3 through 6, they had heard some of the truth, but they hadn't heard all of the truth. They had not heard of the Holy Spirit. They only knew John's baptism. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on Him who would come after Him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we learn in Acts chapter 20, verses 25 through 27, that Paul declared all of the counsel of God to the Ephesians. He declared it all, not just part of it, all of it. Some might say, baptism is a work. Baptism is a work. It's a work that we have done. Baptism can't be a part of God's plan of salvation. Let me ask you a question. Is the sinner active in believing? Is the sinner active in repenting? Is the sinner active in confessing? Is the sinner active in being baptized? These are all part of God's plan of salvation. Left to themselves, they won't save man. Altogether, if we do God's plan of salvation, He's given it to us by His grace, His unmerited favor. If we do God's plan of salvation, we will be saved. The gospel is what we must obey. By God's grace, this way of salvation has been given to us and we are saved by grace. Did our example, the Ephesians, did they receive the spiritual life in Christ? If you look back at verse 13, they did. They were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, that the Spirit gives life. And Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he said to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, to receive this life and remission of sins, what must we do? What must we do to obey? Well, we must repent. And be baptized, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. The gift of the Holy Spirit is eternal life. Now you remember my advice. It's $20. $20 today represents about, what, five gallons of gas? A couple of pizzas? But I want you, just for a moment, I want you to see it as salvation. I want you to see this $20 as salvation. I told one of you that this was yours. And that for your benefit, I'll give it to you. But for it to benefit you, you must accept it. What would you have to do to accept it? Well, I could, I could lay it here. 
and ask one of you, come up and get it, or I could ask after services, if you would, come up and get it. I could, I could even walk it out to one of you, couldn't I? Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't walk it out to Justin's baby. baby your, your baby, he really wouldn't, he doesn't understand the value of a $20 bill, does he? He would just kind of chaw or maybe get it slobbered all over. Now, I wouldn't walk it out to a, to a child, but I, I want you to know that as long as there is breath in me, I will offer it when they do know how important it is. I could offer it to an older person. One of you may really understand the value of a $20 bill. I could offer it to one, one of these young people down here. We have, like Brother Ragland said, we've got so many young people here today. We're so thankful for these young people. They're, they're the future of the church. And I could offer it to one of them. And, and, and they may understand some of what a $20 bill means. They might not fully understand its value. I could offer it to a friend. I could give it to one of my friends here. They would appreciate it, wouldn't they? I could offer it to a family member. I mean, how much of my mom and my mom and dad are here today? I could give it to my mama. She spent a lot of money on me in my life. I mean, this would be just a drop in the bucket. I could offer it to a family member. They would certainly deserve it. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to give it to my wife today. I'm going to give it to my wife. She lost $20 the other day. She lost her running around money. She ran around and lost it. So I'm going to offer it to my wife today. She deserves it. Now, for the $20 to do her any good, could she lose it? No. No, she, she, she couldn't lose it. If she lost it, it wouldn't do her any good. She must put the $20 to work for it to have any benefit. Read with me again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We've been given this wonderful, wonderful blessing called salvation, and God has created us in His Son, Jesus Christ, to work. So she, she, to, to accept this correctly, she would have to use it, put it to work. What if my beautiful bride took this $20 bill and when I offered it to her, she just looked at me blankly and let it drop to the floor. She just looked at me with, like I had three heads. Like some of you are looking at me right now. She just looked at me like I had three heads and, 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 and she just let it drop to the floor. What if I picked it up off the floor and I pleaded with her, please, please, it's yours. I want you to have it. Please take it. And she looked at me with disgust and went on her merry way. What would you think of her? What would you think about her? You would, you would think, what's her problem? 
What's the matter with her? For by grace you have been saved through faith. Would I have to beg you? Would I have to beg you to take that $20? Do I have to beg you to take salvation? Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. I include myself in the we. When Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, We then as workers together with Him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In, ex- in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Be saved today. Don't accept the grace of God in vain. I'm pleading with you. Don't accept the grace of God in vain. Take what's offered. It's my advice to you. Take what's offered to you today. Eternal salvation. In front of all these wonderful friends and family, be baptized into Jesus Christ and have your sins washed away. Come right now as together we stand and sing.